Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. Thank you for your work today. Ah, it's good to see you. Good to see you this morning. For those of you who are visiting, um, I'm not the regular preacher, but uh, I'm as close to it as we've got. <laughs> um, I am, I'm basically the benchmark uh, preacher as they look for a preacher. I'm, 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 the, uh, I'm the boundary, you know, at least better than this. Um, kind of reminded of that uh, sign that was supposed to be maybe at the gates of Gibraltar. If you sailed out of the Mediterranean any any further uh, beyond here, there be dragons, and so don't don't go below this at all. But anyway, uh, we uh, we know we probably got visitors today. I noticed when I drove in that there were uh, visitor cars on the lot. Uh, I want you, I want to tell you this, um, don't be afraid to go to a church that's looking for a preacher. Don't, don't go, well, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, uh, because the church is much more than the preacher. Amen. Kind of hurt my feelings there. Uh, (laughs) uh, didn't didn't know it was going to be quite that strong. Um, But, but it is, it's more than the preacher. It's, 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 it's marvelous. A church, I just think a church is a, is a, is a marvelous thing. Um, let me just tell you around you on your seat, you probably saw the 35th anniversary RISVIP, uh, card, uh, RSVP. Um, and this is for you. If you haven't already signed up online. If you, I was going to sign up online, but I didn't. But here is a card, and you can fill this out with your own name, um, and uh, and put this in the the giving boxes. Okay, don't leave it on the seat because who knows where that'll go. But if you put it in the giving boxes along with your sizable check, um, then uh, then uh, you will uh, uh, be counted. And next week will be great. I, I love it when churches remember uh, their beginnings and honor the people who were there at the start and give hope to the people uh, going forward. It's uh, a great thing. I, when I was in, in Austin, I preached for a church that was established in 1848 when people came from Tennessee and settled in Austin. Um, there were some really old sermons around there. Um, so, uh, we are spending some time today. Last Sunday, we did the first half of Ephesians chapter 1. And today, we're going to do the second half, uh, uh, verses uh, 15 through 23. And this is just the very best. And what I want to do to, to hook in, um, I want to go back to a verse that was in the, the first half. I want you to 
hear this, that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. As we move into the second half of this chapter, I want to, I want to to remind you that the grace of God has been lavished upon us if we are in Christ. And I want you to, to see the demonstration of what lavished is. My mother was not a lavish kind of person when it came to pancake syrup on the pancake. To her, the perfect pancake syrup pour was on the top. You kind of move it around a little bit. And, and if the syrup just kind of moved to the edge of the pancake and ran out of energy so that all of the syrup was on the top pancake. And that was about it. She was lavish about other things, but not that when I got it, my, my version of syrup on a pancake is down over the pancake, down the side of the pancakes, up welling up in the plate and up to the edge of the plate. Yeah. And then you just see if you can get all of that in your mouth in about three minutes. We have been given God's grace down over the top, over the sides, down, up in the plate. We have received God's grace in lavish abundance. And so when you walked in here this morning, I hope you walked in here with a sense of, if I meet God here, he's going to be glad to see me. As the Holy Spirit indwells my life right now and marks me as a member of the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit is the down payment of the life to come already in me. The Holy Spirit is glad to be in me. And when I remember the Lord Jesus in the Lord's Supper, when I take his body and his blood, the Lord Jesus is glad that he gave his life for me. It is a lavish grace. And to be a church of abundant grace, experiencing it from God, offering it to one another, pouring it out into the community, that is our calling. That is what a church that is in the light and that is the light in the world does. It lives in lavish grace and pours it out to those around. So now let us read this text. I want you to begin in verse 15 and hear this thanksgiving and prayer. For this reason, and that reason is all of that that we read last week and talked about. Because of this abundant grace of God, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, 
I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Knowing him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet And appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, I want you to imagine that Paul is in a prison cell in Rome writing this letter. And as he writes this letter, he tells them who he is, I, Paul. He gives them grace and peace. He offers this introductory part and then he gets to what he puts in almost all of his letters, thanksgiving and prayer. And he's thankful for these people. And I want you to try this on for size. I'm thankful for you because you are those who love God, you have faith, and you have love for all the saints. I want you to hear that. It is important for a church, a congregation of the Lord's people to be filled with love for all of God's holy people. You know, in our background, we've been a little bit divisive. You, you know the story of the, the guy that was rescued off the, the desert island. And, and they looked and, and they said there were three, three houses on that. And they said, what's that house? He says, well, that's where I lived. Well, what's that other house? He says, well, that's where I go to church. And he said, well, what's that third house? He says, well, that's where I used to go to church. Uh, there has been something in our DNA that has been divisive, divisive, dividing. As, as we have found more and more things to divide about. And, and that has not been the best thing about us. We have overwhelmed the uniting power of Jesus Christ with the dividing power of human logic. Paul says... I'm thankful that you have love for all the saints. 
In this church, we get to practice that. I, I heard a while ago that, that next week we have a, a blended worship service. That's, that's interesting. Because that means next week this church gets to try on loving everybody. Those who hum and those who strum. But what a wonderful demonstration of the unifying power of Jesus that the hummers and the strummers can all sit down together. I, I loved it. I heard this fellow one time said he went into this church and, and on the bulletin board, there's, there's a statement that says, in this church, we sing each other's songs. Yeah. We sing each other's songs. We say amen to each other's prayers. We read out of the King James and, and the, the, the gospel of I will arise. We read out of all the, we, we love one another. Paul prays and offers thanks for that. But not only does he give thanks for their unity in Christ, he wants them to have some things. And this is where we want to settle this morning. What he asks for For these brethren, we want to hear Paul praying for you and for me. He says, I want God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know God better. I want us to know God better. I think about God a lot <clears throat> when you're as old as some people, you know, you, you, you think about God a lot because you may see him soon. But, but I live in a world where some people believe in God and some people don't. And, and as I, I think I had about three days when I was at Rice that I tried being an atheist I think it lasted about three days, but, but, but I, I, I thought, so, so, so let me think about this world. If this, this world exists, this, this, we have this, this planet, we have this solar system, we have this galaxy, we have all these galaxies, we have this, this, this known universe that they say began with this big bang, which is maybe let there be light. Um, and and I got stuck. I got stuck in what's the universe in? Because I found I couldn't think of a, I couldn't think of nothing. I couldn't think of nothing. I couldn't think of nothing because every time I thought of nothing, I, it was nothing inside something. I could think of vacuum, but I couldn't think of nothing because just to understand the world I live in, I just can't go there. And, and I, I thought about eternal matter. And, and, and what I found when I was a, a physics major was that all of the major sciences, math and, and physics and, and, and theoretical chemistry, at the boundaries, it all goes to mystery. 
Some of the scientists, they go, it's all exclamation points, what we know. The, the, the real scientists, the real frontier, forward-thinking scientists, it all goes to mystery. The reason I moved from Rice to ACU was because I, I, I wanted to not chase the mysteries of the material world, but I wanted to live into the mystery and the certainty of God's world. And I want to know God. I want to know the one who created me. I want to know one who sent Jesus. I want to know the one who is the Holy Spirit. I want to know God who is going to guarantee my existence, who's going to know my name, who's going to call my family, who's going to raise us up. I want to know God. And I want us to live as a people who declare to the world, you can know God. No one has seen God, the only begotten one who's in the bosom of the Father has made him known. When you know Jesus, you know God. So he, he prays that prayer and he tells us that, that God wants us to know him, that the spirit that's within us wants us to know God, to know God, but then to know what? And he's got wonderful triplet here. He says, I want you to know God so that you will know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of the inheritance that is in the saints, and the incomparably great power in those of us who believe. I want you to know three things. The hope we have the inheritance we have, and the power we have. Now, I'm not going to preach an hour on each one of those. But think of it. To have hope. I was visiting with a guy the other day about, uh, about Jesus. And I said, so what, what do you think happens at the end of your life? And he says, well, nothing. I just go back to nothing. I go back to being as much of a nothing as I was before I was born. Just nothing. And I wanted to go, but you're married. You believe in love. You have children. You believe in the future. You are a financial planner. You're helping people get more money for a life that you believe ends up. When you're dead, you're dead like Rover. When you're dead, you're dead all over. You are living a charade of love and future and assurance while you don't believe any of it. The Lord Jesus has come. The Spirit has been sent. The Father oversees us so that we will know that we have hope. 
and that we just don't hope we have hope. We have seen our hope in the resurrection of Jesus. In the resurrection of Jesus, we've already seen our future. When he stands outside the empty tomb talking to Mary, that's our future standing outside wherever our death took us. Whether we were buried or evaporated, we will stand. And to be a people like this, to be a people filled with hope, to be a people who believe we have an inheritance from God. It's like that kid that came back in the prodigal son story. He'd already wasted, he already thought he wasted his inheritance. He runs back home. I don't know about that story, but I know about God's story. When you come back home to God thinking you've wasted everything, God has an inheritance for you. Which means he still sees you as his child. He still sees you as worthy. He still sees you as loved. He has an inheritance for you. He hasn't written you out of the will. And then for churches like us in these days, what a great thing to hear this word, power. Paul's kind of interested in power. You may think a person that's, that's languishing, and I haven't used the word languish in a long time. That was good to work that in. For a person languishing in a Roman prison, there are signs of power all around. There are Roman soldiers. Up the street, there's the Roman Senate. In one of the palace there on the hill, there's a Roman Caesar. But all of those signs of human power pale next to this power. Paul uses some fun words. When he uses the word power here, he says, um, use the word dunamis. <laughs> well, now you know. It's the word where we get the word dynamite. Dunamis, power. And then he, then he says in here, this power is like the working. And the word working there is the word energy. Energia, energy. And then, like the working of his mighty power. And he uses a third word. He lays it on. It is the power that is working in the power to give us power. And it's not just any kind of power. He says, this is the power that was at work that he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It is raising from the dead power. Do y'all remember the power shortage? Back when we got froze out? And people were saying, well, you know, we got a problem now. We got, the, we got, a, we got a grid problem. I didn't even know. You know, the, and, and the, and the, the 
wind generators are frozen. And, and, and the natural gas generators, well, they've got stuff. They've got valves and stuff that get stuck. And, and so now we are going to freeze. And so my wife and I, Annette and I, we hiked up and we went to our son's house over in Lake Highlands because he lives across the street from a police station that is right next to a power station. And they keep the police station lit. So he got to be lit too. We had to leave where we were freezing and go over to where there was power. Jesus saves the powerless and empowers them. We as individuals are made powerful in Christ. We as families are made powerful in Christ. We as a church are made powerful in Christ. So I would like for you to do something this week. I would like for you to figure out all the places that well, you may not do this. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a, well, maybe you're a better person than I am. Usually get an amen on that one. But does anybody ever whine about, about being kind of the victim of life? All this stuff's happening to me and I just feel bad and I wish my kids would do this. There is no way to articulate a whine to make it acceptable in worship. Because we are the people who live in the presence and the power of God. And the Apostle Paul puts a bow on top of this prayer when he says, In this power, God has raised Jesus and made him above everything. And God has placed everything under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What's the most important organization in the world? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. In this passage, Peterson in the message writes, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. So what do I want you to do with this? I don't want you to necessarily do anything with this yet. I want you to sit in this and let the power of this prayer and thanksgiving wash over you. Look at what we have. Look at what we have. We're given a spirit 
of wisdom and knowledge so that we may know God better. We have been given hope and an inheritance and power, power as great as that which raised Jesus from the dead. And we are a part of the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of his body and the body is greater than every other power in the world. And as a member of the body of Christ, I will not whine. I will not be belittled. I will not feel sorry for myself. The Lord Christ is risen. The spirit is poured out. God is in his heaven. All is well. All is well. I may be young. I may be old. But my future is in God. Oh, sacred head, now wounded with peace and... I, I started off the wrong song. That's the one I was singing a while ago. Christ, we do all adore Thee, and we do praise Thee forever. Christ, we do all adore Thee, and we do praise Thee forever. For on the holy cross hast thou the world from sin redeemed. Christ, we do all adore thee, and we do praise thee forever. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.